You're listening to The Union Podcast. The Union is a movement dedicated to discovering God's design for sexuality, His hope for restoration, and the power of our destiny through Jesus. Please enjoy today's podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to The Union Podcast. I'm Brian Pugh, co-founder of The Union. We're so glad you tuned in uh, for today's podcast. Today we are actually sitting down uh, with our close friend James Reef, and we are going to be talking about how freedom is a team sport. But uh, just to recap from last time, last in our last podcast, we talked about uh, what what's the big deal with pornography, and I actually shared how uh, my own story on how exposure to pornography at a young age uh, really affected me emotionally, relationally, spiritually. And just how I was able to find freedom, which I think is so fitting for today's podcast, because we're going to be talking about uh, really some key steps in walking in freedom on a consistent basis. And uh, just to help you get to know James a little bit, James and his wife, Trish, are part of our union team. They are some amazing people. We are so thankful we get to call them friends. Uh, They've been married for coming up a year here in the summer. And they are expecting a new baby just any time now. I wish I knew exactly the date, but that is my shortfall at times. I can't remember dates always. But uh, they are some amazing people, and James has a great heart and has really uh, purposed to live the message of sexual purity and really allowed God to work in his own life um, as a single man. I've been able to, uh, you know, kind of be in his world. Um, you know, I, as, bef- as he came up to being married, I've been able to see the choices that he's made. And, and I really think you're going to benefit from a lot of the things that he shares today on how uh, we can walk in freedom and walk in accountability and uh, live in a healthy community. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. I think you're going to enjoy it. All right, James, thanks so much for being on the Union podcast today, man. We're so, so excited to have you. Thank you, Brian. It's an honor. I'm uh, excited to pursue freedom for everybody. We're talking about freedom today. and uh, Totally. So one of the things we do here, James, is we love to do a random question just to put people on their spot. So uh, really crazy. I, I actually, for the first time in a long time, I came up with a random question before we actually started recording. So this is like a first. Well done. Yeah. So uh, I feel like I'm growing, man. I feel like this is like I'm maturing, you know, I'm putting, I'm proud of you. The old is passing away and things are just becoming new, man. So, (laughs) um, but I saw this crazy story. Okay. This is honestly, it's kind of a sad story, but it's a crazy story. I guess in Kenya, there was a guy who tried to like be a stowaway on a Kenyan airlines flight and, and ended up like he ended up dying because of it, but it just, it, it just was so crazy because then all I saw in the thread of this, this story that like so many people were commenting of like, Oh yeah. And then this happened. And then this guy, or they heard this story happened over here and this story happened where this guy was trying to do it. And it's like, if you could stow away to try to stow away on any flight to anywhere, where would you go? <laughs> well, first of all, like, would, would you, would you do that? Would you like, how gutsy do you have to be to do something like that, man? I would have to be pretty desperate. I think the first thing that comes to mind is the practical side of me is I want it to be a domestic flight because then (laughs) at at least if I had a sentence or a punishment of something, it would be uh, as a Canadian citizen, not going anywhere. So I'd want it to be a short flight. Yeah, (laughs) short flight. (laughs) 
for that reason, just 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 so that I could oh my gosh, work man. and save up money and actually fly where I need to fly later. <laughs> well, dude, it was crazy. The um, one of the stories was a guy. I didn't hear that story. A guy, well, he was able to make it all the way from somewhere in Canada, somewhere in Canada to Hawaii. So he endured like I forget how long the flight is. Like they said it was like six hours or something. But he's able yeah. to endure thirty thousand feet. And for like six oh, hours, atmospheric man. pressure. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how. Like, I don't know how that happened. I'm gonna. Ha- I might have to fact check that that story. But like, anyways, wow. man. If you first of all, do you yeah. think you'd have the guts to do something like that? And second of all, where would you go? Um, if I was going to go to somewhere where I wanted to go, it would probably be somewhere in the UK. I've seen some people on Instagram going to Greece. Yeah, and I. I think that if I was successful, at least I'd have a nice view after. Oh, seriously. It's some good food, man. For sure. Yeah. Just just to make a kind of make get the story straight here, at the union, we do not condone trying to be a stowaway on a flight no. that is like asking asking for yes. trouble. But in the but world we do- hypothetically, hypothetically, <laughs> just to have a good laugh here. So yeah, but Anyways. we do condone freedom, and that's what we're talking about today. Absolutely, so. absolutely. So, James, why don't you just uh, help our listeners kind of get to know a little bit about who you are? Tell us your story, man. How did you get here? Totally. Uh, I grew up uh, in a big family in Alberta. Both my parents came from farming uh, communities, and I was homeschooled. I had a very different life than I think a lot of people did. Um, I grew up chopping wood for however warm I wanted to stay that night. That's how much wood I chop, you know, (laughs) um, we had a, you know, huge garden and grew our own food and learned from each other. Um, more, more of a community feel than I think a lot of people is common for the culture right now. And, um, then through a series of events of moving around a lot, um, and my parents deciding to come here, we had family here in Abbotsford as well. Um, where we're filming the podcast and um, we settled in and I found the Hill City Church and I found um, new uh, experience with God, new training, new discipleship. And that's, I think, where a lot of things started shifting for the better was the the community. Yeah, totally. Totally. I will just, uh, I'm going to just jump in here for a sec. I always laugh because when you and your brothers came to Hill City Church, I'm (laughs) It was it was almost like the Jonas Brothers came to Hill City Church, man. It was like everybody's like, "Oh, who are these new guys?" And all the all the yeah. girls and stuff were just like, "Oh my gosh, there's new guys here." It's like, okay, well, yeah. settle down now. You know what I mean? So yeah. I yeah. always I always laugh when I think back to those years, man. Yeah, and for the listeners, I have three brothers and two sisters, so that's that's what counts as a big family uh, to me, anyways. Um, and I remember that day. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, we were clueless, obviously, you know, 16 year olds just being like <laughs> this is t- typical, typical wreath brothers. is just this big smile and just happy to be here. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just like, it's like, all right, this is fun. This is yeah. great. So tell us a little bit more about like what um, what has God done in your life? Like we're talking, obviously, today we're talking about freedom. And in our in our last podcast, we talked about uh, pornography and the effects on people's lives, uh, because of it. Um, and I kind of shared my story. Um, but what, um, what do you feel like God has done in your life, um, specifically in that area? Yeah, I think that, um, 
everyone has their own unique experiences and everyone's going to have a different story. The first thing I would say is that you don't have to have a, you know, a crazy outrageous story in order to have a good testimony. Absolutely. It can just be simply, you know what? God rescued me. And everyone's story sums up that God rescued me. Absolutely. And that's how I found freedom. Um, so for me, um, my first job, I, I was working young, helping my dad, who was working at a recycling plant. And I would sort pop bottles and I would do all this stuff. In certain days, I um, was asked to go and I'd, you know, sort through all the paper for the uh, pressing into big bales. Right. And so eventually, um, my dad got us off because he was aware, but I wasn't aware a lot of the stuff mixed in there was porn magazines. Oh, crazy. So I was 13 years old. And I mean, it was just like one moment where I was just holding this paper, like what the crap is this? I guess would be the the (laughs) PG way to say it. PG way to explain it. Right. And um, I think from that day on, there was just something lingering in the back of my mind, like, I don't want that. Why does someone else want that? Why would people pay money for something right. like that? Right. Why did I find that? And um, I think from then on, it was a weird place in our family too, because we were moving quite a bit in those years from 11 years old to 16 years old. We probably moved like eight times. So mm. um, I think isolation and not having solid community or family connections in those times contributed to some of it but it just i think i mean obviously your story is similar you were much younger than me right when that kind of that moment came sooner than it needed to yeah the awareness the awareness came without supervision the awareness came without anything i'm thankful that my dad did have a small basic talk with me about what sex was yeah um around the same time but none of it covered anything beyond that so i would say that was a defining moment that triggered some things Mm -hmm. and um because i mean both of us were younger there wasn't anything digital at that time growing up i didn't have really access to anything until i was 16 when i had my own laptop which was a new thing um so for me I would say through those years, I think masturbation was probably the most um, common thing that I struggled to overcome and get rid of that habit. And um, and then uh, when I moved out to college, I had done some discipleship school with our church, and then I was uh, transferring to learn some stuff from a different church. and And that's when um, I was I was just. Item by item, I was exposed to the option of so many different things that I didn't know existed. So, I mean, the basic summary is every guy's obviously going to be going through most of these nowadays if they're in their 20s, especially younger 20s and teenagers. You know, you're going to have the comic books. You're going to have the movies that are, um, you know, whatever's rated R these days is pretty outrageous compared to when I was a kid, Yeah, even just the difference of 20 years. But, um, for sure, I would say just dirty movies, um, you know, trying, trying to navigate 
each item of media is like, where am I safe? And what, what is going to trigger my conscious was probably the first thing that helped me navigate. Mm -hmm. I didn't really talk about anything with anyone at that point. It was more just like, if I bought a video game, I just played it because I bought it. I wouldn't return it because there was some, you know, characters that were doing something in it or um, those kinds of things. It just starts with all these small, subtle things. And um, I would say when I was 21 to to 24, um, I started finding out, you know, different ads on even Facebook, different ads on the sides of YouTube. Mm. I, I find that, um, especially for myself having a creative bent, I like to explore what other people create. So I would explore stuff on YouTube and Vimeo and the internet and find out how people made short stories, how people made movies, how people did all these kinds of things. Right. And I would slowly just be exposed to more and more things that were, you know, pornographic and mm-hmm. um so i would have seasons i'd have good months and bad months i'd have moments where i would search for something on purpose and feel guilty about it and whatever thank thankfully between my family the church my friend circle i never went anywhere really ugly from other people's stories but right. um it's real this the spirit behind it's real yeah. The the um the transition in culture from you know you have to go find pornography to pornography is trying to find you like you said in the last podcast That's I think right. Yeah, yeah. spot right on the money with with what my experiences what were like. Mm-hmm. And so um the first path to real kind of 100% freedom for me was when our church started sponsoring a program called um, uh, the conquer series. Right. Right. And so, you know, at first I was just like, you know what, I'm doing really good right now. I don't think it's going to be a big deal if I don't go, but I felt a check in my spirit and Holy spirit was just kind of working on me just to be like, you know what, I need to have the humility to, you know, to admit to myself that sometimes I struggle. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so from there I, I did it, uh, as, um, a helper. And then I let it for two more rounds, three more rounds, maybe total. Hmm. And, um, I would just help other people lead and play videos, talk to people, do all the hard questions, pray for each other and expose the secrets. And it was a unique experience because I was, you know, counseling and mentoring some guys who were in their 50s, 60s, whose marriages have completely fallen apart. Mm -hmm. And I was this, you know, homeschool kid who, was just trying to learn how to live healthy and, um, you know, God, yeah. use, I think God using me to bring freedom to others helped me surround myself with, um, what to avoid and what wisdom really looked like and mm. how, um, all of these places that all these dark places that people go is not beyond me. I'm not magically excluded. Yeah. Wow. That's right. From going into those dark places that people go just because I have good intentions. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, in those places I met certain people that struggled with something as simple as going to the gym or going to a beach. I, you know, and, 
um, out of all of those experiences and people and all of the stories, I think that really impacted me and um, being able to admit to myself, what were the places of brokenness in my past that created a cycle of pain mm-hmm. and a wound that had never got healed yeah. and being able to identify those, admit it to someone in person and take it to God, forgive myself, forgive someone who, you know, didn't do what I expected in life or someone who, uh, you know, whatever disappointments anyone listening has, mm-hmm. those were the key things to, to overcome shame. And, um, you know, like I said before, I don't have necessarily crazy outrageous moments that some people might have, but it's the same pattern. It's the same path to freedom that yeah. everyone's going to have. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I think it's important to remember that like, um, you know, like we all, we all have desires, you know what I mean? And I think sometimes like when like we we can get into the nitty gritty about it, um, you know, like when say, Oh, this person, you know, is way further, like worse off than I am. But at the end of the day, like you, you make this, the statement, like what, what's the wound that hasn't been healed. And I think in a lot of the ways it's like, we use this area of sexuality to, to cope the, uh, to cope with that pain or to try to soothe that pain in a lot of ways. I do believe that there's a spiritual di- dimension to it, but I also believe that sometimes it's just a, a wound in someone's heart too. You know what I mean? And there, um, maybe yeah. if there wasn't, like, I know that's part of my story. Like if there wasn't that affirmation or, um, you know, there's a, a sense of rejection in somebody's life, like that can, that can carry a lot of weight, man. And, um, you know, I think it's, it'd be really important. Like if for somebody who's listening right now and they, they may be feeling stuck, like you're saying, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really, you know, this wasn't a consistent part of my life. You know, I had at times when I would struggle, but it wasn't like, you know, day in, day out, this is what I was binge. I wasn't binge watching porn and I wasn't, you know, like heavily involved with it. But, um, for somebody, uh, for somebody who is feeling stuck that way, and it's feeling completely powerless against the pole. Um, you know, as we're calling this, uh, titling this freedom is a team sport. How would you explain, um, explain that to them? Like that, how, how their freedom is actually, um, connected to involving other people. Yeah. So I would go back to what I learned in the conquer series and, um, being mentored and mentoring other people in the same challenge. And just like, uh, brainstorming about an example for today, freedom is a team sport. And that means that there's no solo, uh, missions. There's no, you know, everyone has a role mm-hmm. as a, as a complete unit as a team. And so it's, it's not like running when you can, uh, you can perform for your own prize. There has to be other people involved. And so I think the first step is just admitting that you have to have other people involved in the path to your freedom, just like financial freedom. If you're struggling, you need a coach. Right, right. Just like uh, any other area of life, physical fitness, if you're struggling, you need a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so some of the things that I learned in that series was that the first thing you have to do is admit to yourself exactly what's going on and tell a safe person, your secrets, hmm. because secrets, uh, 
gain momentum and gain power over you the longer that you stay silent. And so exposing your secrets breaks their power. And um, I would I would see the look of relief on so many men's faces when they would say something like, I hid pornography from my wife for months or, you know, some older guys who had porn habits at work and they, they had problems for, you know, 20, 30 years and they would, you know, hide, hide stuff at work and then their wives would never know all these kinds of stories. And the look of relief on someone's face when they can tell someone who has sworn that this is, this story's not leaving this room. I did, I did this and I hate myself for it, or something to that effect. The power and the relief and the weight that would fall off someone's shoulders, you know, I've experienced it time time after time. It's not just necessarily um, just myself. Yeah, right. And the, and the next thing that was really powerful um, is they have an acronym that they use in their material called HALT. And whenever you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, is when you're the most vulnerable to be triggered. Right. And, you know, being able to learn how to be aware, how to, how to keep track of how I eat, how to keep track of my sleeping, how to keep track of some of the basic physical things that can throw me off and make me more susceptible to have less willpower is really important. And just like you were saying, some of the habits, some of the things that happen inside your mind, it, it, there, there's more areas that, especially in the Christian world, in church, that we need to talk about besides talking about demons or talking about the spiritual forces at play. Yeah, Sometimes totally. it's just like you need to take a nap and have a snack yeah, and totally. just and just wake up and feel refreshed. And then you're, you're you know, sometimes it's simple physical things, too. Yeah, I think that's even, you know, something we've touched on here is that like we, you know, the Christian faith says that, you know, like we're made in the image of God. And so that God being a tri a triune being and the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we also have a body, a soul and a spirit. You know what I mean? And and I think you're, you're right. Like we've been pretty heavy handed, um, especially in like, you know, more charismatic circles and less conservative um, or not necessarily conservative, but less um um, traditional. Yeah. Traditional. That's the word, uh, kind of denominations and stuff. We're pretty heavy on the spiritual dynamics and, you know, we talk about spiritual warfare a lot. Um, but like, yeah. and, and not to minimize that, cause I think that's real, but like, I can, I can just speak again from my own, my own story that times when I felt, uh, just, just discouraged or just even just feeling, just like you said, just even feeling tired, you know what I mean? And you're, you're, you're just not, you're just not as sharp as you could be. That's the time, you know, like that you've got to have a team around you. You know what I mean? Like that say, Hey man, I'm, I'm just not feeling my best today. And, and I'm, I'm concerned that, um, you know, that I'm going to cross a line that I don't want to, I really don't want to cross today and just, just kind of break the silence with that, man. I think that's so good. Yeah. And another thing that I would say that was really helpful is that there's certain people that struggle more with meeting people in person and seeing people in person. And one thing that I learned to do that God showed me um, that was really powerful is that whenever I saw anyone that I considered attractive, 
or even just beautiful in any particular way, I just had an internal dialogue there. I said my I said to myself, "Wow, God, you make beautiful people. You made that you made that person so amazing." Totally. Yeah. I'm so thankful. And then I wouldn't continue to look or stare. I would just be like I I took a moment to acknowledge, "Wow, God, that person is so beautiful and so unique. That's amazing." And I would leave it at that. Right. And right. that that exercise is is a you know been a, a lifelong habit for years now totally where I, f- I catch myself automatically doing it out of gratitude and it's not even necessarily a self-defense mechanism to help keep my mind from going anywhere further it's just simply a celeb we need to learn how to acknowledge that every person is human and that we can celebrate them right right whether we see an ad on a billboard whether we or start watching a movie and we have to switch because something was inappropriate. Yeah. Whatever the situation is, we can still, we still have to say to ourselves, wow, this person's so unique and beautiful. God did, you did such a good job. I'm thankful. And that, that adds an element of human humanity to each exactly. person that we encounter, whether it's digital or whether it's in person. So that, that's one thing that I think will help uh, anyone who's struggling a lot is yeah. just you have to acknowledge each person's humanity absolutely o- otherwise they're just an object yeah totally and you know like speaking speaking as men and i guess just speaking from from my story again like from my perspective like i think one of the questions i started to ask myself was like cuz like you you see the ads that are just hypersexualized you know what i mean and it's like they're trying to project that the the woman that's on this ad or on this billboard or on the cover of this magazine is completely okay with only being appreciated for her sexuality right that's that's the message yeah. that's just being um projected and i had to ask myself i started asking myself this question it's like i wonder if that's what she dreamed about when she was a little girl yeah cuz it that that's pretty sobering right away it just immediately goes like well of course not that's not what any healthy little girl is dreaming about, you know, growing up to be, you know, whether it's a porn star or even just not even like this, just being on some sketchy magazine, you know what I mean? Or being just sexualized um, and valued for this one dynamic of who she is and being exploited for that one aspect. It just completely just, I I felt it for me, it squelched that pressure to just, to just see, um, to just believe that lie that that's really what she's wanting to be valued for her sexuality. I think that's, that was so helpful for me, man. So, yeah. And I mean, sometimes what I found is a powerful moment is researching and learning about what's happening in human trafficking in the world totally, and what's happening with the porn industry. What is happening with the money? What is happening with the free clicks? What's happening with the structure? Because yeah. when I, when I was in the middle of like admitting to myself, what do I have to admit to myself that's holding me back from freedom? One of the things was just simply that I didn't see myself as the guy doing anything wrong. Right. Right. I w- no one was being harmed and that's not correct because, you know, in some of these violent situations, I never got into this side of pornography, but in some of the violent things happening, 
you know, I had to admit to myself, I'm the guy holding the gun to that person's head. I'm the one who's pumping their body with drugs so that they are forced to go do this act. I'm the one who's paying this actress however much money so I can watch this inappropriate movie. Right. Like, I'm the one doing it. And when I removed the second, that extra layer of, I'm just an observer. Yeah. And went on the journey of admitting to myself, if I went farther with these bad habits, I would be becoming the person doing it to them and with them and at them instead of just an observer. So I think the observer mentality is really dangerous, especially for men, Mm -hmm. um, where we're trapped thinking falsely and being deceived that we can get away with being an observer just for kicks and it's not going to hurt anyone or anything. Right. Right. Totally. And I think, you know, this is what we're, we're experiencing as a, it's like, it seems to be like one cultural generational experiment, like social media has, you know, you put a screen in between a person and it completely changes like your perspective on what is okay and what's not okay. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's so crazy. Um, yeah. So James, the, you know, the Bible makes a really clear case for the power of confession. I think sometimes we think that that's, you know, at least I remember just for me, like that confession was like the easy way out. You know what I mean? I think some ways it can, like if it's just going to be about, um, oh, hey, I got this, this is what I did. I'm not planning on changing, but hey, this is what I did. So I just feel better about what happened. I'm sure there's that side of it, but like, the Bible does make a really clear case for it, that it is a powerful thing that like when we, as James five says, when we confess our sins one to another and we pray for one another, um, you know, that, that we would be healed, you know, right. Yeah. That, that there's actually a healing dimension of confession. And, um, and how have you seen this play out in, in your own life and, and what freedom um, has it brought for you? Well, I think through all of the, the times of struggles and seasons of struggle, I was single and, uh, you know, I'm thankful, you know, genuinely thankful that I went through the journey and obtained, you know, the amount of freedom that I have before I got married. And I would say that one of the Bible verses that helped me is Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And to, you know, it's an understatement how beautiful my life is because I cleared all of the weeds you know, at least to the best of my ability, we're all on a journey and there are always going to be more weeds to pull. Sure, but sure. I pulled, I pulled so many weeds in those years to clear things out of the way yeah, and to get healthy and to build a community on purpose and learn how to, how to be a humble man who's pursuing godliness, not in a nice way, but in a, you know, you know, and we'll probably talk about this later, but in a dangerous way where I gave myself permission to be dangerous, but it wasn't dangerous uh, in an evil way. It was dangerous in a good way. Yeah. And that, that helped me understand that I, I'm a powerful man who can be proud of himself, who can do what's right, right. who can conquer things, 
And just like our friend Jim Anderson says, you yeah. know, slay your dragon. Yeah, totally. Um, and so learning how to face those things head on and not sidestep them and avoid them till later. I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And what that did for me is it, it, it gave me small victories and small seasons of conquering key things. And that helped me envision what my future could look like. I don't think I could have the vision that I have today for what my family will be like, for what my future will be like, for what my career and any ministry the Lord has for me. None of that would be possible if I didn't have these beginning victory moments. Totally. And, and so, um, you know, one person that I follow, his name's Dale Partridge. He has some quotes and some talks about uh, how, you know, some people in the church are believing the lie that we can have a porn habit for a lifetime and it's no big deal, but still have heaven too. And they don't go together. No, that's you right. You know, it's, it's hard to admit and it, truth is hard to hear sometimes, but the verse I just read is someone who sows in the spirit will reap everlasting life. But, you know, there's so, it's so clear in the word that, um, we're to honor our own bodies yeah, and we're right. to walk We're the, the basic principles of what walking in love looks like. So I think, um, you know, the freedom that Jesus paid for that we b- believe in the Christian faith doesn't look like someone addicted to pornography, not able to leave their house because they need it. Right. Right. Um, and so sometimes telling the truth is so difficult to be blunt Mm-hmm. And sometimes I like the bluntness mm-hmm. and I gravitate towards it, but there's, there's a softness to it too. So there's compassion and there's bluntness. And yeah. I, I want, I want everyone who's listening to hear that. Um, I don't hate myself for my journey, but I had to learn how to be blunt and accept that. And I also had to learn how to be compassionate and kind to myself, mm-hmm. not, not endlessly, in a, in a way that was, um, dysfunctional mm-hmm. on either end, because, right. um, one of the quotes and some of the really good content that helped me was from Chris Valentin. And one thing that he said is that perfectionism is the fruit of the fear of punishment, but excellence is the manifestation of his excellency. And I think a lot of people struggle with this ideal perfection. And it's just like, if I can't be perfect, then why even try? And so there's this dynamic of struggle where, well, I can never be perfect. So why even, why even try to stop or why even, why even bother risking telling someone, no, we're not going to watch that movie. Sorry, I have to leave. Or why would you even, you know, cut someone off at work? Who's telling dirty jokes all the time and tell Mm. them to stop. Why would you resist or push away all of this stuff? If I can't be perfect, then what's the point? And so I think talking about the point is something that's inspiring to me because the point is that God has everlasting joy. God has abundant life for us. God has the ideal family, the ideal relationship that, you know, everything that our heart secretly longs for that's healthy that's actual real pure Mm -hmm. clean healthy living um it's available and it's not hopeless but it's so easy to be discouraged when you're in the middle of of the struggle totally 
Totally. I, th- I think I, I want to back it up just a quick sec because you, you made a statement that I think is, is really important because you talked about, um, you know, dealing with the weeds before you, you were married and, and how that is actually, that actually led to a blessing within your marriage. You know what I mean? And I think, totally. I think sometimes the idea that, and I've encountered this as I've, um, as I've worked with, with people and who are trying to, you know, come to, uh, an understanding of freedom, trying to find freedom in this area and to just try to see this area of their life, their sexuality and, and temptation from God's perspective and, and find freedom. There's this underlying thought that somehow, well, once I walk down the aisle, all this desire for this stuff is just going to go away. You know what I right. mean? And so we start to think, well, hey, like my desire for porn will just shift and be a desire for my wife. And, and all, and, and this other side of things, like the porn desire is just going to go away. I'm never going to struggle with it anymore. Um, when, it, when in fact the, the reality is not true, the studies would show, and, and I kind of hinted out on, you know, that like, uh, in the last podcast that with a lot of divorce studies show and the, the stats show that pornography is woven through a lot of these stories of how marriages ended up in divorce was cause it doesn't, it doesn't go away as you walk down the aisle, if you need to learn self-government and walk in self-control and learn how to manage, yeah, I, I don't want to use that term manage, but I, I want to learn how to steward your desires. You know what I mean? That you are leading your desires, not your desires leading you because that, you know, you and I know, like I've been married, I'll be married for, you know, 12 years here in November. Like yeah. you, you need to walk in self-control as a married man. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just like, okay, well, hey, now we're married and I get to have all the sex I want. You know what I mean? Like we face different seasons of life where like, I, you know, we've had five kids. So my wife has been pregnant, you know, well, four times because we had twins right at the beginning. So she's had four separate pregnancies. She's been sick. I've been sick. We've had challenges, you know, and it's just like, you know, sometimes you're not going to be able to, to experience um, you know, experience each other sexually in marriage. And so what are you going to do? Are you just going to get mad and stomp your feet and run off and use porn? Or are you going to be like, I'm going to be okay. Look myself in the mirror. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to sacrifice and, and, and deny myself in order to honor her and to love her in a, in a possibly challenging time. So I think like, I, I, that's kind of a rant for me. <laughs> I wasn't leading no to worries. a question. That was kind of a rant for me. I apologize. But, uh, like, what would you say about that, man? Like, like how, like, yeah. What would you say to that? Yeah. I think there's so many directions that I can go with those comments, but the, the first thing that comes to mind is that, um, you have to get to a point where you predecide what to do when you're restless. Mm-hmm. You know that feeling that you get when you're on edge and you're anxious and something doesn't seem right and you need relief mm-hmm. somewhere from somewhere? Those are the critical moments of decision. Uh, one example was, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, I have a work phone that's, that's a cell phone um, for the company I work for mm-hmm. and they're there's been times random people call like this number has passed from installer to installer. I don't know um, 
the whole history of the phone. But there was this t group text international of this porn link to, you know, meet Crazy. up with chicks in your area, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so it, in moments like that, those are the key things I would say for even people in relationship. I had to decide, am I going to tell my wife or am I going to hide it? Wow. Because um, if I hid it, it would be a seed that was planted that would start bringing separation and disconnection, even though no words were said. So the relief of a tiniest little moment when I told my wife, hey, just so you know, there was this weird group text on my phone and I deleted it. I blocked the call. Like I blocked the, the message. Mm -hmm. No one can send it again. That built was a moment that built connection between us. Right. And right. so the whether anyone listening is married for a long time or they're planning to get married or they're just in the middle of dating and hoping for what their future will look like, I would say that the goal of marriage is not sexuality. The goal of marriage is connection. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, for men especially, there has to be a transition from you know, to use a quote from Jim Anderson, from a predator to a protector. Yeah, that's right. And this is where the violent nature and the celebration of who we can be as healthy, dangerous men comes into play. Mm -hmm. Because um, a nice guy just goes with the flow, but a dangerous man makes hard decisions. So I would say that everyone's going to have a completely different randomized challenge thrown at them day by day. But I would say, what is the healthy, dangerous choice? Not the nice choice, not right. the safe choice, not the go with the flow choice. So um, that's the first part of the answer with parts of pulling weeds and stuff. I think you're going to unravel issues in kind of chunks Mm -hmm. And you're going to have seasons of really tough moments where you're constantly wrestling with a particular problem and everyone's going to have a different combination. So I can't address individual right. th things on the podcast, but I can say that in those times, your goal is connection. So I, um, one thing that I, I tell people regularly that saved me was the healthy experience of beauty and relationships saved mm -hmm. me from any of the rest of the world of pornography and, and addictions in, in the kind of the media world mm -hmm. was I got involved in hiking and traveling and camping and hunting and all of these adventure style things where I, I learned about what being what the healthy side of danger was and adventure right? and experiencing beauty that didn't have any negative side effects. Experiencing a beautiful sunrise has no dangerous side effects to you. Yeah, that's right. Experience a new, a new city, a new restaurant, a new, um, you know, interaction with someone you haven't seen in a long time, new friendship, all of those things are healthy and we have, you know, we have to get our needs met. Mm -hmm. And so circling back, what each of us do 
for men and women, what each of us do when we feel on edge and restless is yeah. really important. And so, um, it, it's, you know, it's a drop in a bucket. Totally. It, and you know, if you want your bucket full, it, it's the time it, it's endless, tiny things. You're going to have some major choices. Like the example I gave with the text message once in a while, but you're going to have thousands of little moments through your your daily habits. So the idea that you can walk down the aisle and have it all washed away, it's it unfortunately it's naive. Yeah, it is, yeah. And so sometimes we need people in our lives and we need to expose ourselves to content like this podcast because when we're young especially, we don't know the areas where we're naive. Oh, exactly. We just, you know, that's the struggle with being deceived is you don't know that you're being deceived. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would tell, I would tell anyone listening that don't put your faith in walking down the aisle to clean, to make you feel clean yeah. and pure again. I would say, put your faith in the habit of building connection with someone in thousands of tiny steps. That's right. where that's where the feeling of being clean and fresh and pure will come from, mm-hmm. especially in the, in the, in the biblical Christian point of view. Um, it's not going to come from a magical moment. No, totally. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, even you talked about being a dangerous man there for a second. I think it, it's important to clarify too, like, um, because there's this whole, you know, you've probably heard it just as much as I have, but the whole conversation about, uh, toxic masculinity and it's like anything right. that's dangerous, anything that would be like aggressive or, um, you know, to take risks or to be, um, you know, strong or confident or lead, uh, in a strong way is, is viewed as dangerous. And I think the, the import or is viewed as toxic masculinity. And, and I think what you're yeah. talking about here as a dangerous man who is using all that, that passion and that desire to, for adventure and for risk taking is actually the, the difference between toxic masculinity and genuine masculinity is who you're doing it for. So like, yeah, I just think about you, you're making all these decisions to, to kill this thing, no matter what, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter the level that you feel like you were in, you were going to kill it. You know, like this, this area of, of using pornography in any way, shape or form, you know, you were purposing to kill it. And, and I even know in my own story, I was purposing to kill it. It's like, I didn't want it to, to come into my marriage because I was, I was having a vision beyond myself. I was thinking about my wife. I was thinking about my possible, my prospective kids. I was thinking about the generations ahead of me. And I, and I think that's, that's what we need to hear. I think I just, from a, a man's perspective more, we need to hear that, Hey, like these avenues, like the, these dynamics of who you are, like, and I understand that every, every guy's different. Some guys are not like, they're not really bent to be, you know, type A risk, type, risk takers and, and leaders and pioneers and just like, Hey, follow me. We're going this way type of guys. Yeah. But, but I think there's, there's still a thread throughout men that, um, that's still really long for genuine adventure. And we need to see that, that, that risk taking, you know, when it's, when it's shifted and not just about, uh, getting what you want, that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get what you want and to consume and, and to live selfishly. When you, when you actually start to see, 
people beyond your beyond yourself and begin to take those risks and fight those fights and you know overcome those challenges for somebody else so that's actually where freedom starts to take place yeah i would say that the the satisfaction of the unhealthy side of these traits is twisted and totally. what that what you know toxic masculinity is valid it, mm-hmm. it it's where we decide to draw the line of where it starts and where it ends that can be confusing and difficult totally and so um another person that i love to um read and study his work is his name is john eldridge and he has a quote that says um a hesitant man is the last thing in the world a woman needs. She needs a lover and a warrior, not a really nice guy. Wow. And so, so can I get an amen from the ladies listening? Yeah. You know, feel free. <laughs> yeah. If this was YouTube, we could say feel free to comment. But yeah. like, um, I think that resonates with pretty much anyone. Yeah. What, what, wherever they, you know, each person's going to have their own perspective of where the line is drawn where toxic masculinity ends and where it starts. But yeah. the premise that, that I, I felt was impactful from coming across this quote is just there, there is the mean, vicious, yes. uh, aggressive side of the expression of masculinity that is not healthy. It's not advice. You know, no, it, totally. it's, it, it is, it is completely frowned upon by myself and anyone that we would talk to in our, culture our circles yeah, yeah and you know we're on the journey of being healthy but when it goes to the other end where um culture might be expecting men to suppress all of their masculine traits just to go with the flow and yeah um be accepted by the majority but never try anything risky never take on more responsibility than what is common yeah that's that's unhealthy too so i think there has to be kind of some new conversations and new yeah um new opportunities for people to share their perspective so that they can learn what other people's perspective is so that the ball rolls down and it gets bigger and then you like that's how your worldview grows is listening to podcasts like this exposing yourself to different ideas being a little bit closed-minded so that you don't accept everything as truth, but being open-minded enough that you're you're open to consider where you might be wrong or mistaken. Sure. So I think that's what's happening with a lot of people is is that some people are so open-minded they think everything's true, and some people are so closed-minded they think they're only their way is true. Yeah, absolutely. And there has to be a balance uh, of everyone has to learn how to expand their worldview on topics like this. And, sure. and it, unfortunately we have to be kind of generic with our comments because unless there's a particular example, then oh, you exactly. can't easily be specific. But yeah. I, that's what I think is that uh, overall, I don't think there's very many women looking for a man who is living his life castrated and nice. Right. You know, there, that's something that I firmly believe is that men uh, will be celebrated for being kind a lot faster than being celebrated for being nice. Um, right. Right. Expand on that a little bit. How do you see the difference for somebody? They, they might go, well, kind and, and nice are the same thing. How would you, how would you distinct the, the separate those two distinctives? 
Yeah, I would say that to me, my interpretation of nice is more on the pushover side. Sure. If so, if someone cut me off in a lineup at the grocery store, a kind person would choose to let them go in, but be powerful enough to say, hey, buddy, sorry, the line's back there and have an opportunity to choose. Am I going to be assertive or am I going to be compassionate? But you have the capacity to choose. A nice person doesn't have the capacity to choose. Right. They always submit to what's happening around them and they never defend anything they're against and they never you know you know they never oppose anything and they never defend anything they're just stuck in this middle world uh and unfortunately there's so much tension because there's flip-flopping back and forth with all the relationships totally because they they don't know how to stand for something firm unwavering so right. i would say that a, a kind person in a situation where there's controversy or there's a choice they're they're powerful enough to choose whether to be compassionate or whether to be dis- disciplinary towards someone whether to bite their tongue because they're powerful enough to realize nothing needs to be said in this situation i'm going to let it go right. but they know they're competent enough to know what to say if they needed it to yeah totally so some of those aspects uh, i i kind of differentiate to me between nice and kind. Yeah. Well, I think it's like that, that old saying, it's either you're going to live for something or you're going to die for nothing. You know what I mean? I think that's, that's, that's the difference, right? You're between the kind and the nice guys. He's the kind man is choosing to live for honor and live for respect and to live, you know, for, um, you know, protection and to, to sacrifice for others. Like, cause we see that in Jesus that he wasn't, he wasn't just this nice guy. No. You know what I mean? Like he, he was kind and we see that how he was kind with, with people who, you know, like the woman who was caught in adultery and she was ready to be stoned. Like he was kind and he was gentle yet. He was so protective of her, which is so amazing. Like he, you know, he's, he's being surrounded by, or this woman is being surrounded by, their religious leaders at the time. Cause she had broken the mosaic law. She had, she was yeah. committed. She was committing adultery and the law said that she needed to be stoned. And Jesus stands up in, in the middle of the circle and says, all right, well, you know, he who is without sin can cast the first stone, right? There's, there's kindness, but then that's also honor. That's also respect. That's also pr- protectiveness. He didn't just go, oh, well, yeah, I guess, you know, that is, that is the way it is, I guess. Yeah. Well, we'll see you later, sweetheart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he wasn't just Too being bad. a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And, um, the, the, the thought came to me is just like someone who just lets things happen yeah. without, without learning how to stand up for something. Mm-hmm. It, it is kind of the basics, you know, summary. Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, we've, we've kind of hinted at this in conversations you and I've had in the past, but there's just this consistent thread um, throughout our generation of like, I'm always a victim. You know yeah. what I mean? That like everything is just happening to me and I have, I have no say um, over, um, over these areas of my life and I have no power to make choices in my life. And so like, what would you say to somebody who, who feels that way that they feel like I'm no, this is just, this is just my life and this is just happening to me. Like, what would you say? 
that's a that's a big challenge to overcome and some people with different personalities and different temperaments can struggle more than others there's so many factors that contribute to that but um, some of my thoughts that I've made some notes here is that the Bible makes it clear that while we may experience temptations and struggles our identity in Christ is a victor not a victim right forgiveness and freedom is available for everyone you have the power to win this battle even through a season of setbacks. And so, so good. you know, it, it, it comes down to identity. So I'm going to sidestep the question and talk about identity because um, your identity determines how you, how you view yourself. Yeah, totally. And so f- for Christianity, especially when we transition from having our identity sourced from ourselves, where I define my own identity I am who I want to be. My life will go the way I want it to go. And I'm in charge of my destiny. Uh, Although that viewpoint is kind of cool to start with, it falls apart eventually because of, you know, challenges like having a victim mentality. Where do you go when that's your viewpoint when you are struggling and you can't find freedom you can't escape your bad habits um and so that's when the power of jesus the the sacrificial Mm -hmm. um you know person who conquered all of these things on our behalf and saved us is not giving us all equal outcomes but he's giving us all equal opportunities to experience what he paid for and so to the extent that that we can receive and understand and walk in these truths is the extent that it will be expressed in our lives. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to be naive and say that everyone is automatically going to get all the full measure of uh, freedom and victory. What I'm going to say is everyone has the same access to it. Right, right. And so that's sometimes where where comparison can be a real struggle is because I can look at someone else and say, wow, their life is so put together and struggle with jealousy, struggle with comparison and be like, I bet that person never has a bad day in their life. I bet, you know, you can make up a narrative of how everyone else is doing. Sure. And it can really wear you down. Yeah. And I've gone through that myself. Um, you know, once you graduate high school and try to piece your life together and figure out where you're going to go, it can be difficult. Right, right. Uh, especially for, you know, the chunk of time between 18 and 25. Um, we can be restless. We can be wandering around um, piecing the clues together. And so one of the clues of being steadfast and firm is that victories make us a victor. Right. and failures make us a victim. And so learning how to have small victories, sometimes you could be a a victor in areas and you just don't recognize it. Yeah. You haven't identified them. You don't even know that you have something to celebrate. Right. And it could just be something as simple as you were born in Canada. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You have to start at the beginning and just say, you know what? I was born in an awesome country where, I'm not at risk of so many other struggles other people have. Totally. Yeah. And, and be thankful for it. So 
for the the journey of discovering freedom from a victim mentality i think it comes down to the same things is that you have to have moments where you choose to be kind to yourself and you have to have moments where you choose to be vulnerable to people around you and basically ask them for a kick in the butt right you have to have both so if you only have friendships with people who are compassionate to you then you're always going to receive compassion and kind of the nurturing caring aspects but you're never going to have someone say hey buddy i don't think that's healthy for you what are you doing yeah totally and so we need both and so sometimes we can struggle being vulnerable to ask someone to be our coach so to flip everything down and around to the beginning of the podcast that's why freedom is a team sport is, um, you know, we need someone we're accountable to. And I know accountability is a cheesy word. I don't like it either, but I mean, the root of it all is we need to take account. If, if we don't know how much money we have in the bank, unless we count it, we don't know how much of a, uh, a debt we have to pay off unless we count it. And, uh, as, uncomfortable as the reality is reality is actually our friend so sometimes sometimes digging down deep and doing the hard work is the only path it's like like i don't have any easy path suggestions for anyone unfortunately yeah is is you have to just like making a budget and figuring out how to pay off a bill it's like making a budget of your self-confidence and figuring out what is triggering me what is making me feel unworthy? And when you face the reality of it, that's when you have taken the first step to, to conquering it and getting totally. victory. It's when you transition from a, a victim to a, to a victor is when you actually find out who your enemy is that right. you are fighting. Cause if you're, you know, you're fighting in the dark, like, totally searching for the light switch is the first thing you need to do yeah so that you can see yeah absolutely so any suggestion that i would give anyone is like find that light switch to turn on the lights and then when the secret's exposed when the memory of the past that has held you down for so long is exposed when you finally have the courage to talk to your dad or your mom and say hey this wasn't okay in my childhood and i've struggled with it or um, you know, whatever the story is, if some people might have to uh, take a break from relationships temporarily to sort things out, some people might have to do all kinds of things. But yeah. I, I would say, you know, the, the summary of it all is find that light switch, turn the lights on, and then you'll know what to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. And I think like, you know, God wants us to have to not just be like, emotionless, you know, like robots, you know what I mean? And and we think like, that's, that's what it's going to be like to be walking in self-government. It's just like, you're just completely programmed to not feel anything, but it's like, God actually wants the truth of who we are in Christ and the truth of who he is in our life to, to constantly be like, to be so present in our lives that when those lies come about who you are, about, Um, you know, when it comes even things like insecurity, when it comes to like a critical spirit or, 
um, comparison, all this kind of stuff that you have a tool to combat that stuff. You know what I mean? And so it's like those those individual truth encounters that we have where the light comes on in a particular room of our lives. And it and it's just like that lie has nowhere to hide anymore. It's yeah. like now now that goes from being not just a tool in your life, but now a weapon for your life. And um, and I think that's the difference of perspective where because a lot of people and I think I know I felt this way, you know, just wishing like, oh, my goodness, could we just have a miracle and all these desires just go away? You yeah. know what I mean? But it's like God wants to consi- consistently give us truth to build a foundation for us to stand on so that like that there's nowhere for that stuff to land anymore. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And to go back to accountability, I think that um, some people have had experiences where they've opened up to someone, admitted a fault or a flaw, or you want to, and you're just terrified of it. And I just want to encourage you, like, you don't have to use the word accountability. I think in, in the Christian circles, it, it kind of has a cheesy connotation. It, does, yeah. it has kind of a, a, a theme of like, I'll tell you the bad things I did. And then you tell me the bad things you did. And then we'll hug and, and pa- go our separate ways as if nothing happened. And we'll do it again next Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to just say, <laughs> so everyone hears, I think that's completely ineffective. There has to be a there has to be a different approach and it has to be real and genuine. So um, it might take a while to find the right person. Right. It might right. take a while for you to be the right person for someone else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, on the path to freedom, we're not just talking about how to get free yourself, but how to free others is some people listening here. They've they've conquered some stuff and they're hoping that they can find ways to help others. And yeah. that's that's why we're here. Totally. Is, you need to be ready for someone to tell you, you know, what, and I would be a challenge for homework for some people here who are kind of in the medium journey of freedom where they might be able to help some other people is what are you going to tell someone who chooses you to be that person for them? Right. Right. And, um, kind of consider how other people need each other. So, for accountability, I just mean it's an account of your ability. You yeah. have to keep track of the reality of what's happening. Yeah. And when you make the reality your friend, that's where freedom comes. Because when you can admit hard truth to yourself, yeah. then, then the light switch comes on. And then you can find the little you know, lies and the little things that are holding you back. And then you can clear that room and you can move in and you can have a bigger life that's full and abundant and making progress. You're becoming whole piece by piece. There's parts of ourselves that are broken that we need to be restored. And so, um, that's when we need a captain of the team for freedom in your life. You need a coach, you need a captain, you need teammates. Yeah. You, You need someone who is, you know, you know your position. This person is really good at this. And so I'm going to go to them for this. This person, right. you know, we do it automatically. We know which person we know which person we're going to call when there's a crisis yeah. in our life. Yeah. We know who they are. Well, we just hopefully. don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. And if you if you don't, then then hopefully some of the comments here will will help you brainstorm how how to get there. Yeah. And so um, that's what I would say is everyone around you in your community has a role on your team. 
Yeah. And they're not all the coach. So you can't pick them all. You can't open up to everyone about everything. Right. And you can't strategize with everyone about how you're going to build your life. And you can't treat everyone like a teammate where you won't take advice from anyone. Uh, so, you know, there, there's, there's a full spectrum yeah. of different roles and being able to quote unquote, have accountability with people is important. Totally. Now, unfortunately, there's there's no other word really to use besides that cheesy no. word, but it, it's it's making reality your friend and turning on the light switch. Well, I think I think it's just positioning yourself to be held accountable. You know what I mean? Like I know I could go to you and be like, "Hey, dude, this is what's going on." Like I I made a yeah. stupid decision, whether it's like I lost my temper or you know just just in any area of my life. And I know you're not going to be like, "Oh, poor Brian, I'm so sorry that you you know you." made a bad decision. I'm sorry that that happened to you. You're going to be like, well, dude, you're better than that. Thanks for telling me. Let's, let's get on the right track. You know what I mean? We're not going to, we're not going to come up with a strategy of how we can make sure that, you know, Brian, you know, we all feel really sad for Brian. You know what I mean? And like, you need to have people who are compassionate, but like all, there's only one way to get forward and that's to, to embrace some hard truth at times. And, um, you know, it's just, as you were talking, I was remembered something, um, you know, the Vancouver Canucks several years back, they, they redid their, uh, their dressing room and it used to be like a big square. And there were some stalls where players would sit, where you were actually kind of tucked around a corner. And it's like, that's where the backup goalie would get dressed. And there was another, another player who was kind of, it was kind of a weird setup. Like it was a weird design. And so they redid their dressing room and now it's just one big circle. And it's, there's nowhere to hide. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if you're having a bad game, if things aren't going well and you're not doing your job, there's just nowhere, there's just nowhere to hide anymore. And it was actually designed by a a sports, uh, psychiatrist. He was, or a psychologist, I mean, um, you know, and he, he did that in mind. He was just like, we want to create a culture that there's nowhere to hide. You know what I mean? That you're going to look across the room and you're going to look in the eyes of other people and be like, Hey, where's your passion? What's going on, man? We got, we need more from you. You know what I mean? And I, and I think that that's, it's so important. And if we're going to, you know, like we're talking about freedom, being a team sport, you've got to build that circle around you. Yeah, I agree. And there, you know, I, I personally love this analogy, so we could talk about it on and on and on, but I mean, to, to sum it all up, it, it's all about acknowledging that when someone is around you and reality is your friend, you're going to grow so much faster. Yeah. And um, I forget the quote. Um, I think you remember it uh, better than I do. But, <laughs> you know, making progress is about how far apart your failures are. Yeah, totally. It's, That's it's, right. not, it's not about this ultimate perfection where you're never going to have to uh, face a challenge again. Yeah. That's right. Well, I just want to say, James, thanks so much for being on today, man. This has been awesome. And to those of you who are listening, no matter where you are, uh, maybe you're feeling like you're stuck right now. I want to encourage you that uh, freedom is just one phone call away. And that's and that's the first step to freedom is calling somebody uh, who, you know, uh, that you love and you care about, but also that, you know, loves you and cares enough about you to tell you the truth. So, um, you know, I just want to say, we believe that the best is yet to come when there's vulnerability and, uh, and really there's freedom for you when you're willing to join a team and get some people around you to get in your world. So 
Uh, thanks again for listening. James, thanks for being a part of this today, man. This has been awesome. I appreciate you. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope your life was impacted greatly. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, visit our website, theunionmovement.com, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram with the handle at theunionmovement.